don't just do the job, be an expert and solve a problem. All right, welcome to the Field Famous Podcast brought to you by Field Routes, a show that shines a light on the field service industry and the dedicated professionals that grind every day on their journey to success. I am your host, Christopher Fasano. Before we begin, I just want to remind all of you out there that the best way to get new episodes of this show is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite pod player. If you do that, the episodes will automatically get pushed right to your phone or device. The show is also available in video format, so if you prefer to watch uh, and, and consume media that way, you can go to the YouTube channel and, and subscribe. BeFieldFamous.com is where all of that lives, so you can check it out there. Last but not least, if you're really enjoying the show, I ask you to please leave a five-star review and tell your friends this will help others find the show as Apple moves it up in the rankings. So today, our guest is Dan Baldwin, Vice President of Technical and Training Services for Hawks Services. Dan, are you ready to be field famous? Well, I don't know about that, but I'm ready to talk to you. <laughs> I get that answer a lot. I get that a lot. I get. I don't know about famous, but I'm happy to have a conversation. Um, well, yeah. thank you for joining. Um, and we, we, we talk about fame as, as a little bit of a shtick, and it's really just our way of providing a platform and shining a light on the industry and what you're going to tell us about today in your, in your specialty. So why don't we start with who you are and what, what you do? Um, and then I want to I learn from you about your career journey into how you got into this. And so let, why don't we just start with an introduction? Yeah, so I'm uh, Dan Baldwin. Um, I, like you said, I'm the Vice President of Technical Training and Regulatory Services for Hawks Pest Control. We're um, headquartered out of Ogden, Utah, but we have a uh, pretty decent nationwide footprint. And, um, you know, it's the, the technical role is, um, you know, less about the entomology at this level, it's, it's really about making sure that this, the processes and protocols we put together support what the operation needs so that when we go out and you know, make a sale or are servicing one of our customers, we're able to make sure that we can actually live up to our promises. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I get involved and my team gets involved. Okay. Dan, just so I'm clear, uh, when we talk about technical, and you, so someone comes to mind this on the residential side, maybe even on the commercial side. If someone comes into the to the to the place of business or my home, are we talking purely technical in the service aspect, or are we also talking about in regard of training, like customer service, customer interaction, how how the how interaction works at the place of service, or is it purely a technical component that you're overseeing? It's it's all of it wrapped in together. Okay. So the way we break things up here is there is there's a technical department and a training department that that is mine, um, but then we have an entirely separate but working together learning and development team. Okay. So we develop the content, and then the learning and development team works with our cross functional partners to make sure that we have everything represented. So it's not just how do I address this specific problem, it's how do I interact with the customer? How do I document things properly? How do I make sure I'm staying in compliance? Uh, so it, collectively, it's all together. But my piece is more 
the the operational piece, the the regulatory compliance, what materials to use to do what, when you don't want to use materials, that sort of thing. Okay, so before we get into so the the, the process there, uh, I'm curious to understand your journey into the industry. So was this something you always were in? Does it was it like in your family? Did you? I I, no. I, I, I I'm telling you. I've worked in a lot of different things. There's so the stories of how people got into it are 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 all different, and some could be wildly different, right? So I'm just curious. Talk to me a little about that. How'd you get into the to the to the space? Yeah, it was um, it was entirely by accident. Um, I had never really considered this as a uh, as a career path. Um, I was you know working in a totally different industry and and just happened to run across a guy who um, was a branch manager for a, a small regional pest control company. And we got to talking and he said, gosh, I really wish I could find somebody with half a brain to work for me. And I thought, well, I've got I half, half a brain, brain. so <laughs> I, I can do that. And, uh, you know, it, it, at first it was, it was just a job opportunity. But as I got into it a little bit more, it, started to become clear what, what the value of the services we offer are and being able to see the, the science aspect of things, uh, the problem-solving nature of what we do. And it just kind of grabbed me a little bit. So I, I took it seriously. Um, you know, I, I talked to people a lot um, about this industry. If anything, I'm an example of the fact that really anybody can can get into this industry and and do well if they just take it seriously i um had no background in in the biological sciences at all i was I was a physics major i was um you know totally separated from this industry by the way if you're but if you were a physics major got, you had half more than half a brain i'm just gonna put that out there eh, i don't know a lot of those guys are half brained but um <laughs> you know they it just uh it became interesting because I took it seriously. Okay. I saw the opportunities yep. there and, and I got here just by, you know, being very fortunate with, with the, the mentors that were offered to me. And, and I was able to you know, really progress through the industry. Were you always in an, uh, in a sort of administrative or an office role in the space or were you out in trucks at any point in time? I mean, maybe you do that as part of your, you know, understanding of the business, but I mean, yeah. were you, were you at that level or no, you were always in it from a sort of an administrative, more of a, that level. No, much less in the administrative role. Okay. Um, started off in the field for great many years. Um, probably the first first twelve or fifteen years for sure. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Um, great. Was was all field focused, um, and then there was a, a, a lot of um, a lot of sales in there too. But um, that was still field focused. Whether or not it was. Um, working in pest control, working in distribution, or working in manufacturing, it was still getting out with uh, PMPs out in the field to make sure that you know, products we were recommending or processes we were making recommending were correct. So, um, very little of my time is is real office time. So, tell me a little bit about. I mean, Hawks is a bigger company, right? So if people are listening to this, there's probably going to be all ranges of sizes. Some are, you know, they're they're smaller, maybe those small businesses emerging, you got mid-markets, you got some bigger ones, but training what it comes what I hear a lot is and and, and the technical aspect, the, the the regulation and especially in 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 training and technical 
Um, there's an element to that for any business, no matter the size, right? You have to, there has to be a process. There has to be a level of skill. There has to be a, a process there. How does one, is, I guess I'm trying to understand how one determines um, how much of the, what is required and what is viewed as, I think it's more important, so I'm going to invest more in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's always a baseline yes. level. How does one yeah. determine and when does a business need to say to themselves, okay, I need to start investing more in this because it's easy to just do what you have to. You've been in that. So tell me a little bit about that. Is it size dependent or purely just a, what, 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 the, what the shop's thinking? No, I don't think it's size dependent. Um, I mean, I, I have had the pleasure of, of working alongside some small companies that are excellent. Uh, they, they've embraced not just the, the business side of, of pest control, but really the, the art and science component of it. Um, it to back up to the first part of your question is, you know, what is necessary? That's really dictated um, largely by the federal government through mm -hmm. the EPA laying out, you know, here's what you have to know. And then uh, the states come in and say, well, in our state, here's the basic level of training. Um, some are as simple as, you know, basic pesticide safety training. Others, uh, it's, you know, there's one state, you have to have 10 hours hope that's right, 10 hours of classroom time, and then 70 hours of actual field time riding along with another licensee. And then you have to go through testing processes. Um, some states have very extensive testing processes. So what the minimum requirement is, is really going to be dictated by your state. But that's training. And so there's more than just that. There's training and then there's education. Okay. So that's where you start to have to make some decisions on what level of investment you're going to have and what you expect to see out of it. Um, you know, it's uh, somewhat axiomatic that if you're prepared, you're more likely to be confident and you're more likely to be efficient in what you do. Mm -hmm. You walk out there and say, I know what I'm doing. Right. And, you know, I... Candidly, with with rare exception, I think as I've moved up through the industry, I was probably not technically qualified for each step along the way. Um, but I was, you know, I was prepared enough internally that I thought, okay, I'm confident that I can right. do this, and and knew enough to to uh, to get myself settled in. Um, but you know, that also kind of once you start from there, that you're you're going to be you know, confident and efficient, that supports the quality component, right? And and that's where the education piece comes in, is I don't just know how to be safe, legal, and effective, right? which kind of the bare minimum, right. but I understand what I'm doing, and I know why I'm doing it. You know, which will definitely come okay, across they, in an interaction with somebody. Definitely, yeah. And, you know, w the other thing that being confident allows you to do is it allows you to not right here, right now, just spit out some answer that you think is right. If I know that I know what I'm doing, I've had successes, I, I'm confident, I'm comfortable, then I can say, you know, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to think about that for a moment, which some people would be hesitant to say that because they think, well, they're going to think, think I'm I not don't, qualified right, exactly. to do this. Right. Whereas the person listening to you yep. really is going to think this person is taking the time 
to care and listen and think about what the issue is. So it, it seems somewhat counterintuitive, but I think it fits together where if, if I'm confident that I'm going to have the confidence to say, I need to think, yep. um, you know, I, I need to sit here and ponder this a little bit. I, I need to not look at this problem. I need to look at something else and see how is all this fitting together. And, um, you know, that's, that's not something you, you learn in a book. You don't have to go to school to, to, to try to figure that piece out. Um, you, you just have to start to take what you do seriously and be conscientious and, and think about what it is that we're doing and, and why we're doing it. It's funny. My, my graduate school advisor used to tell us all the time, if you don't know the answer just say you don't know because the worst thing you're gonna what's gonna happen is like I remember this you know you're giving a talk all of a sudden that more you'll see two hands go up and then four and then and then you're di- if you don't know you don't know and it's perfectly fair you can't be expected to know but at least you're gonna weigh it like you said you're gonna find out right you're gonna leave there and want to find out but I think the world we live in today when when you're looking at businesses and they're trying to grow right grow 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 and I, I got to invest and you know I'm trying to bring dollars in and I got my margins to look at and I'm trying. We always want to know, you know, what's the return on that investment? What am I getting back for that? And one of the key things as 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 someone who's in growth marketing is what is how am I going to measure the effectiveness of this thing that I'm about to invest in? So if if I if I determine that I'm going to invest more in this educational component because I want my team and my process to be that we we know what we're doing. How do how do you go about then saying it's worth the investment? I can see the tangible result. Is it is it a qualitative thing? Is it quantitative? How do you measure effectiveness of some of these programs, or, or can you? Is it it's, is it difficult? You you can look at the you can't really measure directly, but you can look at the impact that you're having. Um, one way you might look at it is if you were to look at your your customer retention rate and you then have to dig into and find out why your customers are are leaving your company is it is it simple pricing well that's that's not a you know technician specialist whatever the term you use issue um maybe you could look at it and say perhaps they're not presenting the the value proposition well enough so that people value them but you know, in, in times that are a little bit challenging economically, people start to look at where they can pinch pennies. Yep. Um, it usually comes back to, to bite them. They try to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Things get out of hand, and now they're spending more. Mm-hmm. But um, but are, are you getting a lot of complaints where people are saying, we're not getting the results that you promised us? You told us we would not see any more pick a pest and okay, fine. And we're still struggling or you're not getting there on time. You tell us you're going to be there between eight and 10, but you showed up at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, those, there, there, there are quality metrics that we definitely take a look at, but sometimes you're, you're looking at the, the inferred results after you've made a change and you may not see it right away. Right. So the first thing is the introspective part. Where are we not succeeding like we should. I don't want to say failing, but we don't feel like we're doing as well as we should in this given area. And then see whether or not it turns out to be a either a foundational technical issue where your approach to controlling or preventing the, the occurrence of a pest issue is not well suited for the actual issue at hand. Or yes, your systems are good, but the execution is not. 
Um, the feedback, you know, net promoter scores are a big deal. It's like, what are people saying about your interaction? Um, and then you have to figure out what, what needs to be done. Is it a training issue where you just haven't given them the tools they need to understand how to communicate or execute what you want? Or they're not well educated enough to understand how to do the problem solving. And so, you know, one of the first things we try to do is, you know, you shore up the, the training piece. They need to make sure that they're doing things properly. But then as quickly as possible, you want to move into education, which I know we're trying to do a bit differently. It's a lot of, particularly the larger companies, they have these great big training manuals. They try to shove mm. everything down your throat real quick. Learn, you know, all 400 pages in the next two weeks. And you too will be a professional pest right, manager. Which is not how most people can learn no. things, right? Right. No. So we're, we're trying to focus on you know, training them to think, right? I'll, I'll never get the quote right, but, you know, there was something about, you know, some constant, gravitational constant that Einstein didn't know. And he said, well, it's written down. I don't need to know that, keep that in my head. I just need to know how to think and where to find my references. So that's the same approach that we're taking. We're trying to explain the thought process behind uh, getting yourself in a position where you're able to prevent pests from getting into a home or in the case of a, a more um, public health pest, eliminate the, the conditions that would right. bring yep. mosquitoes to a property or ticks to a property so that they're not focusing on just the, the, the rote material that they've gotten, but they've learned how to think about a situation. So whenever they find themselves in something new, they know how to think about it and they know how to approach it irrespective of what they've seen before. Right, because not all situations, I imagine most, I mean, they're going to be situations that have their nuance, right? They're going to, not all are the same. And if it's not going to be as cookie cutter, it's not going to go to the same thing all of the time. You're going to have to say and be able to troubleshoot and work through and look and think like you're saying, and this is different. This is interesting. It's an observation. It's almost like an observational analysis. You're observing something and, you know, it, it's diagnostic, I guess, but that requires a thought process there. It's not all going to be check boxes. Oh, there's this, there's that, right? So, so that that's interesting, I guess, for how do you do you determine that as an an a need by need like a case by case basis with certain techs or specialists or employees, or do you have a, for ed, the educational? Obviously, the baseline is for everybody, but for that educational piece, is it one off, or do you try to standardize that process across the company to say no, we're we're going to educate everybody at least uh, in in some regard in this way. So you try to get everybody. We we want to level everybody up uh, so that anybody would eventually be able to be put into any scenario and at least be able to collect the information. Maybe they're not in a position to do the actual problem solving, but you know, if I'm sitting here in Southern Arizona and somebody in uh, Maryland has an issue, well, I'm not going to just hop on a plane and go take a look at, you know, some small issue someplace um, that perhaps we could do through technology by using FaceTime or something mm -hmm. like that. But if I have to explain to somebody how to look for things, why to look for things, that's going to make that interaction much more challenging. So getting everybody leveled up and moving forward in their thought process, yes. Now, there are clearly going to be people who take to specifics really, really well. There are people with, with a a true passion for this industry. They want to understand entomology. Right. Maybe they want to understand right. construction. Fine, you know they'll they'll, they'll advance, just right. They'll go you know, right in a different way. Right. 
But now we want everybody to to really understand why we do what we do. You know, what is our role? What, what are we trying to accomplish out here? And how do I think about it so that they can at least collect the information and bring it to somebody who is perhaps more knowledgeable or experienced? Do you tie their their that level of, of education or, I don't know, continuing education, I don't know what we want to call it, to a compensation model? Or is it just inherent that the more I get involved and the more I learn and the more that I'm showing you that I really want to learn, the more I might progress and advance my career? Or is it, do you say like, if you have X number of, if you want to, you know, if you do this, this, and it's almost like certain, certain degrees will allow you to get a certain compensation band that maybe you didn't if you didn't. Is it tied at all to those metrics or is it just that you want to have the best employees and the best people? You're going to push that onto them like this is what we expect or we would desire. And some people, like you said, will really go with it and some people won't. How, how do you how does that work into their career advancement? Is it expected or is it tied to something? Yeah, it's um, it is evolving for us currently. Um, we've taken a look at a couple of different models that we've had experience with that, um, you know, a number of companies will have, you know, master specialist, master technician programs where you kind of work through things. Um, so the answer currently is yes and no. Okay. Um, but we are definitely moving that direction. We're, um, we're trying a lot of different things. This uh, Hawks is a, a really interesting company in their, their dynamic thinking and willingness to try things. And so we might be trying several different things in different parts of the country at any given time to find out, you know, what is going to work best for the long-term retention of the employees first, and then you got happier employees, you're going to get the customer retention, et cetera. So um, there almost certainly will be some sort of a formalized um, program that takes people through a progression. Uh, what that looks like, it, it, we're still in the early stages. I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. But you're on it. You're thinking about it, and you're looking to always, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, probably most people get into this industry by mistake, right? And they, they see it as this job. I'm going to go get in my truck, and I'm going to do right. this. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. They, they don't get the perspective. They don't they – don't, nobody – brings them into the industry and says, you know, this is who we are. This is what we do. So the, the more effort and structure you can put into moving people upwards, um, bringing them into the fold, then they will find what, what is really attractive and interesting about this industry. We just have to do a better job at, at showing them why those of us who have been around for a while stay. Right. Yeah. Listen, I can tell you this. I've seen in, in home services and in pests and things, I've had different people come to my home and right away, the interaction, I can just tell, you could tell, I can tell not only a person's level of knowledge, but just their general demeanor of the fact that they're at my home, right? Like if it was just a job and they're in a truck, you, that could come across, but someone that's really, um, either they do a really good job of hiding it 
right? And they're really well trained and good to not show. You know, I always say like, you know, no matter what you're going through, when you go to your job, you're at your job. You got to do your work. Like everybody's got something they're going through. But when you put, you know, you put on your uniform and you get in that car, you go to your job, you're doing a job and you got to try to check those things at the door so you can provide the service that people are paying for. Easier said than done. But I feel like that definitely comes across to your point. And at that, that is what's really going to keep me a customer for the long haul because I establish a relationship and then once you have a relationship on a recurring it makes it so much harder for me to pick up that phone call and say you know what I don't want to pay you anymore because I have a relationship there and there's that bigger value and I think to your point sometimes it's harder for people it's harder for people to see that long game right it's hard for businesses to really mm-hmm. see that because they're so in the I need to get this revenue up now I got to bring dollars in now but you really it's it's an important point to contextualize um, what about the um regulate regulatory things and things are tech not just regulatory but technologically things are changing constantly right you're getting new pieces of technology that you're that you're probably testing or you want to try or there's these new regulations or there's new thing or, or there's green tech there's all these things that are happening how do you how do you take all that in and some things you have to push down and say we need to make sure you guys are familiar with these things maybe they're regulatory but how do you make sure the specialists the technicians and everyone stays up to date on those latest techniques and who determines and vets what is a good one or not how does the, tell me a little bit about that process yeah so the regulatory ones as you indicated they're they're much more cut and dry yep. you know california passed a new law on rodenticides there's no discussion right that's what the new rule is. So this is what you're going to do. So you, you try to, um, you know, find a replacement strategy or replacement product that uh, will continue to meet the needs and expectations of the customer. Um, but, you know, some of the things, um, you know, a new product will come out on the market, uh, particularly in, uh, you know, the so-called green space, which... Uh, I don't really like the term in greens of color. Okay, that's great. But, you know, if you want to look at the philosophy behind it, then then fine. Trying to reduce risk. And, you know, we – first off, it's it's much more of a collaborative effort here. Um, you know, I, I don't get to, to stand on the stage and say this is how this you're is going to do doing. it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, we certainly um, – on my team, we evaluate things against – sort of five basic pillars, right? And these, they're all co-equal objectives. And some of them can be neutral. I mean, not everything is going to make you more money. Not everything is going to be easier. Um, But nothing can ever be negative. We can't look at a new product or a new process and say, hey, this is going to make us a lot of money. But the the service professionals are going to hate it. The client's going to hate it. Right. It's, uh, you know, it's really horrible for the environment, but boy, we're going to make more money. Um, so before we advance anything through, it's, 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 you know, the, is it going to increase profits? I mean, it's still a business. There's no way Correct. around that. We got to make sure yep. um, that it's, it's more profitable. Um, is it going to make the client happier? Is, is their experience going to be better if we do this or use this? Uh, is the service professional going to be happier? Did we take a burden off of them or did we add a burden to them? Um, the Whatever it is has to be effective. It, they just, people can't feel that it's effective right. or think that it's effective. It has to be at least neutral, but better is desirable. And then what the, the long-term envir- environmental impact would be. Um, you know, it, it's making these choices uh, is certainly complicated. 
and as you interact with different uh, different aspects of the organization, it, it can get complicated to try to communicate these issues. Um, you know, they, they talk about the elevator conversation. Can I, in just a few short sentences, give you everything you need to know, but not leave you with 20 questions? Um, so the, the first glance at these things really does come through my team. It may not originate in my team. We we actively seek out right. input from the field. Um, we need to know. Which makes I, sense, I mean, right? Yes, What's I, going on, right? Well, yeah, yeah. they've got to live yeah. it. Right. They've got to live what we're right. doing. And, and hey, you know, great. You guys came up with this, this uh, you know, our general pest control program. And you guys think it's wonderful and you chose all this stuff. But guess what? Down here in Louisiana, it's not working because. Or up here in Minnesota, it's not working because. Whatever the case may be. Um, or just they f- see that there's a gap or a need someplace. Um Sometimes it's driven by the, uh, the the sales and marketing team. They 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 certainly go out and they do their um, their studies on what was effective and and what resonated with uh, clients and what didn't. Um, and they come back and say, well, how do we approach this that in some way gets us closer to what the client is expecting without violating any of the principles that we right. have to live by, right? right? Is it, you know, moral, legal, ethical, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it is a collaborative effort. Yep. Uh, we have a big part in, in to play in that, but it's it's not one way. And, and, but then, so so if you're if you're evaluating this, it's there's a, there's a, there's an identified need. You come back, you bounce it around. It you go through those pillars. It seems like it checks most of the boxes. It looks like something you want to go forward with. Do you then do you do a test at that point in time? Um, you know, do you do like a, an isolated test if it's a piece of technology, for example, or something like that? Would you try it out at certain places, at certain locations, and certain things? Um, do you rarely just push push play and go and just push it out? You know, is there a very small sort of isolated situation? Like, let's give it a shot. Let's see some results. And then you report back on it. Is that is that part of the process here? Or you just sort of go? Yeah, if it's if it's technology, it is is definitely more uh, baby steps. Right. There are so many opportunities um, to for you know our, our software developers um, and program managers to create something that's perfect. And then you get hundreds of people out there doing it. And suddenly you right. discover some small something, little right. thing that, that goes wrong. And, and you know, I mean, it's not something they can predict. I, I think they take, well, I know that they take their jobs just as seriously as we do. But, uh, you know, if you think about, you know, what we do on the on the true pest control side, you can do everything right. And 5 10% of the time, you're still going to have to go back because, the, you know, the, the insect didn't bother to read the book to know it was supposed to you know, not get into the home. Right. Right. Um, so things go wrong with um, something more along the lines of a, of a protocol issue. A lot of these things really are, are hybridized, right? I, I didn't sit in some dark corner somewhere and create an entirely new way of doing something that is completely detached from things that have come before. I just, you know, fortunate enough to have, have seen, enough different ways of approaching things because not only was you know in pest control but um, I spent a few years on the client side so I got to see how everybody was doing things and and saw as a client what was the result what really worked and what didn't so 
we're really in a position here of being able to hybridize what others have, have done before and um, you know, understanding the, the different products and different processes that are in place. Our testing is usually fairly small. Um, it's, it's people on my team say, okay, let's go try this. If it were really truly to be something um, that moved the needle significantly, then we probably would do some testing and, and then things get really complicated. Um, you know, when they're doing p- testing on pesticides, you know, they put the material down and they expose pests to it mm. over, you know, different periods of time and things die or they don't die. That pretty simple. But when you're, um, and I can just imagine my manufacturing partners are saying, what do you think it's simple? Yeah. Okay. I didn't mean it that way, <laughs> but, um, the when end result, at, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. I'm going to walk away from that one anyway. Um, when you're looking at a a service offering, though, there's a lot of things to consider, right? What's my target pest? What part of the country am I in? What type of of home or business am I dealing with? What time of year is it? There's all these variables, so you can't simply say, oh, "I'm going to take ten homes. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to take ten homes and do it that way." Because you can't standardize all uh, the variables, yeah. right? It's, it's almost you, impossible. You can't standardize the variables, right. and so you've got to do like multivariant analysis to right. say, "Okay, if I do and if I right. do, so you do your right. AB, then you do your BA, and then you say." Okay. So it it gets really challenging when you're going to say, "Oh, we are going to do something really, really different." So most of our change, even though in my head I might say, "Look, I have 100 percent confidence," because right. I can be cocky that way. I have 100% that confidence work. That was, if we do it this yeah. way, it's going to work. Right. We still do, okay, let's incrementally change it. And then we'll get the feedback. We, you know, we know that we got 5% callbacks this year. We're going to do this. Hey, we only got 3%. Great. Oh, we got 12%. Hmm. All right. We need to go back to the drawing mm-hmm. board. And then, then it's that the, the team member interaction with our operation where we're trying to get that constant feedback because we don't want to go through a whole summer, get to November and go, well, how did we do? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did terribly, but nobody bothered to tell you and we weren't smart enough to ask the question, how are we doing? So um, yeah. we, we try to get that feedback so we can attenuate, right? You've, you've got to modify little bits as you go. Move forward, change over to the side, move forward again, and keep moving while you find the right thing to do. It's, it's. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's obviously more complex with your business that has multiple areas and very big differences, possibly in seasonality and things like that. But the variables pose issues for sure. And and, and I always tell people in science, limit. You know, make sure you know what your variables are. Only change one thing at a time, right? Because it's hard to to conclude. Uh, but it sounds like feedback is something that's really important. I keep hearing that, right? That the people that are out there, they're on the ground, they're doing it. I mean, how do you promote a place in an environment where that is welcomed and warranted and sought, right? You know, like, please come and talk to us about what's out there, what you need. I imagine that has to be something in the culture that you want people to provide feedback, not just on interaction with customer, but things that they're seeing, things that they've noticed, right? I mean, and that that must that also must help you drive towards the inquiry of what should we do to be better? Um, so is that just, is that, a, is that part of the training or part of it to just, you know, have a place where feedback is welcomed and warranted because that's got to drive things forward. You really have to actively, almost aggressively insert it into the culture. Um, you know, we're 
I suppose, culturally indoctrinated into thinking that I'm not going to ask a question. I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm not going to say I don't know. Um, I'm not going to to challenge somebody who, at least on the surface, looks like they're they're more qualified. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Um, so yes, we actively seek out um, the feedback from all levels of the organization, um, whether you're at, at the furthest edge out in the field or if you're right in, inside in the corporate office, um, everybody is going to know something more than I do mm-hmm. and, and more than my team does because they're going to see it from through mm-hmm. a different lens. Yep. Um, and, you know, m- maybe what they have to say is, is valuable, maybe they, not, they but right. we still – yeah, we still need to at least understand. So, you know, maybe they're right in that we have done something wrong. Cool. Now we have an opportunity to fix it. More often than not, though, it's a case of they see something wrong because we haven't explained right to them yet. We, you know, one of the things that we just came through was a, an exercise of looking at all the protocols and finding what was accurate but didn't resonate with people. So it's like, here's, here's this clear, simple message. I mean, it's the clearest English you can come up with. And yet the field had 29 different interpretations of this same two sentences. And, uh, you know, thankfully it, it popped up early enough on in the season that we were able to start giving some guidance around it, but we had to go back through everything and say, look, we're, where did we go wrong in our messaging? And so, you know, thankfully we've got, you know, people internally there who are very good at messaging. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty darn good at wordsmithing other people's stuff. I'm horrible at my own. It, it makes sense to me. So why can't, why don't you understand it? So, um, you know, but we've got people who, who are helping us take a look at what our internal messages are so that we find the language that, stays true to, uh, you know, whatever the the principle or, um, you know, the regulation, whatever it happens to be. um, But yet it resonates more, is more accessible. um, And and sometimes we we miss the mark. Um, We definitely, I mean, I don't need to go into it, but there was one real big one. It was as clear as day. And yet we really missed missed the mark on how people perceived it. So that, I mean, that, that is not unique. That happens, right? Especially when you're in something and you can't see it. And then all of a sudden someone, that's why, that's why feedback is so, so great. So important because sometimes people will see things, um, you know, and be like, and you're looking at it and you say to yourself, how did I, (laughs) how did, how did I miss that? You know, but it's right. It's literally right there. Um, yeah. In the, um, in the last couple minutes that we have, I'm just looking at the time. Um, I'm wondering maybe if you can sort of do a um, opportunity and a challenge that you see in the industry, you know, from where you've seen it go to now and then going forward. Do you see, you know, what is what are some a challenge that you see in the industry that's that you think is going to keep getting harder um, or something like that? And then conversely, is what is an opportunity that you think the industry is coming around that you, you think that businesses can capitalize on or really, really, you know, learn use to to grow and wedge i think really i think they're one and the same um you know i I think years ago when you know pest control pest prevention pest management whatever you want to call it started to evolve 
you had a, a really well-informed um, group of people who understood their their role and, and why it was important and how to get things done. And then, um, candidly, the, the chemistry got a lot better. Yep. Uh, you could rely upon, if you went out there and you applied product X, it was going to work. And so we didn't need to invest quite as much in the problem solving skills in in the rote knowledge all they needed to do is know if you take this can and you take this can you right. go do this you, anybody can it's do gonna that. work right yeah anybody can do that um and so we kind of got out of balance right you, there's there's the business side and you, you've got the science side uh and they not that they have to be 50 50 and some companies it's probably gonna work better if they're more science driven than whatever that's inconsequential but whatever works for you there's got to be the balance um between you know the the needs of the business and and the needs of the client which are um sort of manifested in how you perform your services can you actually do what you're promising them that you're going to do and that that's where all the the technical and training all those things live in that space over there um so if you find the right balance it 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 kind of works and i i think if we and and we are collectively we we are starting to to take ourselves a bit more seriously uh when chemistry got better the the profit margins uh, you know increased and it was easy to say oh they're charging i mean i don't know what the prices were back in the 50s and 60s but you know they're charging a hundred dollars hey we do it for 75 right it wasn't we'll do it for 95 right it was we'll do it for 75 right oh well we'll do it for 50 right and so we we took a, a lot of the money that is needed to drive the expertise out of it uh, and sort of self-commoditized. And, and I really saw that when I was on the customer side um, with a you know very large restaurant chain. And um, you, you could see there was, a, there was a commoditization to the services. There, there wasn't a lick of difference between the service offerings. And those were largely driven by our own standards. They were like, oh, you want to do that? Okay, great. We'll just do that. Sure. Um, but... I think we are starting to see, and and this might be a, it might be a, a positive side effect of, of of what we saw during the pandemic, where you know we were considered an essential service. Um, and I think people are starting to understand that, you know, we're not just, and never really have been, but we're not just pesticide applicators. That you know we we are, um, you know, both public health and private health providers. You know, it depends on what the setting is, but everything we do, one way or another, touches a much larger component of of uh, society as a whole. I mean, if it's if it's a food processing plant and they get some sort of an infestation and lose a lot of product, well, that's certainly a you know a profit loss for them. But now you've just pulled food out of our distribution system, and if it happens at a large enough scale. Prices will be impacted. Supply will be impacted. Uh, plants can shut down. I mean, and, and then you get all the the legal ramifications and in the uh, the public confidence issues. But it also is the same equation in a home. If you bring in some you know infested trail mix, and whatever the pest happens to be in there gets through all of your cereal and flour and, and everything else, um, you know things are still tough for most people these mm -hmm. days and suddenly if a good portion of your foodstuffs have to be thrown away that's going to be harmful 
right, to the, the, their, their economic health. Mm-hmm. And if it's the wrong pest, not that there's any right ones, but I mean, some of those can transmit organ- yep. organisms that cause disease. Yep. So it, it's, it, it really is. It's, it's, a, it's a personal public health equation where you're, you're getting both sides of it. Um, we have impact on, on the economy as a whole. And, you know, there's been long to, you know, this uh, idea of, you know, protectors of public health, protectors of the environment. But it's not just one or the other. It's all of it. And, and I think when we had the opportunity to be a little bit more in the spotlight um, through unfortunate circumstances, to be sure, um, it feels like some companies started to take that, uh, take our role a bit more seriously. And, and I hope we do start moving ourselves back into that broader professional space where we hold ourselves up as professionals, not just have that, uh, that name as part of our, our industry, professional pest management. Um, you know, if you think about it, what we do is not that different than some in the medical profession do for people. We go to a home, we do an inspection. They, we mm-hmm. go to mm-hmm. you know a, a medical facility. You know they're they're doing your examination. We may prescribe procedures or treatments to prevent or cure a problem. Same thing there. And you much better to identify the problem early than later, yeah. right? Same concept, yeah. and have yeah. multiple ways of doing that. Back to that yeah. that multivariant yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. If every disease you went to the doctor for, well, we're going to give you Tylenol. Yeah. But I broke my arm. We're going to give you Tylenol, yeah. but I have diabetes. Well, we're going to give you ty- that. Right. That doesn't work. Right. It, it wouldn't make sense in any other professional setting to say we have a way of dealing with everything. Right. And and I'm seeing a lot more. Um, aggressive thinkers trying to push us that direction yeah it's it's almost like be an expert be the expert be be you have an expertise this is a real this is a real thing it's not just that you know it's not like you said you're just going out and spraying things down this is this is more than that it carries a significance there's a weight there it means that it it has direct impacts on people and the broader the broader society that we live and you should really embrace that expertise and not be afraid to lean into that and make it a part of who you are right rather than uh use that as the opportunity to really to really to really to, to carry that badge and just say no we know what we're doing we're educated we have it we're going to come in and we're going to figure that out rather than just let me just call this pest person up to come in my house and spray they change the perception of how it is it's smart yeah. um well, Dan, time flies on the podcast and podcasts all the time, um, so we're at time. But I want to thank you for for joining us today on the um, on the Field Famous podcast. I want to remind everybody out there that's listening that uh, you can go to befieldfamous.com, befieldfamous.com, to find out more information about this. Subscribe, tell your friends, and remember, your success is fame worthy. So come on and tell your story, Dan. Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah.